0: Waiting for me to say you may be seated? Okay. Got a standing ovation. I haven't said a word. (laughs) Wait till my pastor hears about this. Oh, what a tremendous song! Do you love Jesus? He's my all in all, He's everything. He's not just this hour on Sunday morning. He's Tuesday mid-morning when that guy at work is getting in my face. He can deliver me from myself and my own f- fleshly passions and love. I love that fellow. Oh, I'm excited to be here. I've been looking forward to this. Um, I don't know how much you're paying, but you got people out there bragging on you. (laughs) So, uh, I I just—I'm so excited to to be in a church and around God's people and help us on our journey and our walk with the Father. (sighs) I was doing a little bit of counting from where I was sitting. And it seems to me that, well, the Scripture says, I'd rather have compassion than sacrifice, right? The Lord is seeking compassion rather than sacrifice. I think we need to have compassion on the drummer. (laughs) There needs to be something in our hearts that go out to him, not out of pity, but out of love and concern support and encouragement. The drummer is outnumbered four to one. (laughs) I was thinking, maybe you need to know how to play the piano to come here. (laughs) And for a long time, I didn't see the piano player at this keyboard. And I thought that I could see the guitar guy there, and I thought maybe he was doing both of those. Do you love Jesus? Do you love one another? It's getting weaker. <laughs> Do you enjoy serving when it's not convenient? When I grow up, I want to be a Bible teacher like your ABF teacher this morning. I mean, right out of the chute, he hits us, nails are I mean, he used colored markers on the whiteboard. I, he separated things, so it made it easy to find what we were talking about. And, he's, and it was clearly that he thought through. Uh, it wasn't a Saturday night preparation. But right out of the chute, right out of the blacks, he says, love God. For those that love God. And I know it's easy for me to say, yes, I love God. Yes, I love Jesus. But do I really know what I'm saying? Am I saying it enough? Do I understand what it means to love God? To uh, love people? and then to do something worthwhile with the resources that God has given me. I come from a long line of uh, good tradition. Uh, I'm thinking of Jeremiah in particular because he's known as the what prophet? The weeping prophet. Thank you. Very good. And... um, I have some valves in here around the each side of my nose, up in the eye area, that um, when I talk about things or think about things that are close to my heart, it opens a valve. It opens a valve that was turned off and opens another valve and turns it on and just water gushes out. <laughs> it might be people, it might be concerns, it might be God's work. So uh I just give you a warning about that to uh if there's a clean oh here we go. This will be good. If there's another one, um, <laughs> uh, we'll try to have some semblance of self control. I want to tell you two short stories that ignite my passion and drive my mission. My wife and I have been married for thirty years in a row to the same person. We have three children. Uh, our daughter uh, is in high school. She's a junior. Our two sons are in college. And our oldest son, <clears throat> he scraped together some loose change, a bit more than loose change. But you know how difficult it is for a high schooler, a college student to get some money together and to buy a car. My first vehicle, I think I paid $100 for it. And so I'm thinking, this is the way, this is how you do things. But I grew up in a different culture than my son did. And I'm more, so he went out and he, we, we, have, our, we have a couple mechanics in the church and trusted, and uh, he talked to this one and he went to a, an auction and got him a good deal on a vehicle. But it was a lot more, I mean, it was a good buy for him. It's what James needed to have, uh, it was a good dependable vehicle. But it was a lot more than I ever would have considered for a first car, or even, I mean, it was just recently that I spent that much money on a car for ourselves, <laughs> after uh, 20, 25 years of marriage. So he's invested a huge chunk of change into this vehicle, and it's a nice one. I don't want to get into a car war here, but it's a bukeless Sabre. And I stumbled onto one of these, in my driving career or days and so I my son bought one I'm just tickled pink I'm happy I'm happy for him it's supposed to be a short story okay (laughs) sorry about that it's a nice car it's black not that it has anything to do with it but black shiny black does look nice (laughs) it has really nice seats it's a newer Buick than I ever than I had so he always up up stage oh it's a smooth ride Beautiful car. I uh, just love riding in it and just admiring it. He came home from college at uh, Christmas break time. He's got just a handful of weeks available. Comes home, has to get the car inspected. No big deal, right? Shiny black car. Buick. LeSabre. Awesome car. No mechanical problems. Running Wonderful. So no, this is a no-brainer. You just take it in and get inspected. We, you know, we move on with life. It's We barely notice it. Takes it in to uh, get it inspected, and the phone call doesn't come early afternoon. It comes, we call them, and they say, well, you better come down. We want to show you some things. When your mechanic says... I want to show you some things about your inspection. That's not going to end well. And he says, uh, we get down there. He says, well, come back into the bay. I want to lift the car up and show you underneath the car. And I'm thinking, oh, no. Uh, best case scenario is brake lines, you know. You know, there's a little of this stuff to trust it out. Okay, doable. But <laughs> I'm beginning to think. And worried, <laughs> I'm sinning, <laughs> I'm, I'm worrying that there's something majorly wrong with this car. We go underneath the car, front right wheel. He points out the frame there, huge, massive rust hole in it. You know, okay, we can weld some stuff, but the mechanic says, no, this is beyond. And we go back to the rear right wheel. Look at the frame. Huge, massive rust spot there. You can take your fingers and go like this, you know, where where you can't already look through it. Rear driver wheel, same thing, major rust. Three corners of this beautiful car are rusted out. The frame is trashed. Mechanic says, I think you better start looking for another car. This one is headed for the scrap pile. You know, in the scrap pile, this big machine with jaws on it comes down on your shiny black car and squishes it into a small flat pancake. And my heart was breaking, <laughs> mostly for my son, but in part that how could a car that looks that nice ride that smooth? and just crush it. First short story. Second short story. I had an opportunity uh, to be in an airplane and take off, fly around, land in another city, take off, fly around, land in another city, and do that all back over again. I was sitting by a window in a window seat the plane took off, makes its arc, and I look out the window. It's after dark. all the city lights are on, and I see this massive sea of residential area. I recognize the street lights you know there's the root, the pattern of garage lights that are on, and there's these weird curvy patterns, not straight roads like downtown. And I, this thought, I think this thought, that's a lot of people. We land in this other city, lights are all on, and this time we're coming in and there's lights and there's lights and there's lights and there's lights and there's a sea of lights that keeps going and going and we haven't got to the airport yet. And I'm thinking, all these represent people. There's people in those houses. That is a lot of people. I'm from Obai. <laughs> it's out in the middle of nowhere. Our church is built in a cornfield. Um, there's nothing in either direction unless you got good transportation. And here I am. I'm looking out. I see this sea of people. And my heart just... <laughs> ask the question how do we reach these people how can we do we have a chance at all of touching these lives with the love of God his word and with the scriptures now if you can hold those two short stories and your RAM and your live memory just for a bit, and in the, now with your third hand, turn uh, to Acts chapter 5. I really don't think that I'm going to introduce you to any new material or new content or teach you anything brand new that you don't already know. What I hope to do to this morning is possibly rearrange things for you, but at least give you a system, if they were filing, filing folders, folders to file things into, and then simplify it in enough so that there's not this huge thing to carry around, but there's just a small little uh, light thing to carry with you. When I said Acts 5, how many of you knew where I was going? What's happening in Acts 5, first paragraph? If you know what, you don't have to answer. Just raise your hand if you know what's going on there. Okay, that's what I suspect you would already know. This is the uh, account of Ananias and Sapphira. Before we start with Acts 5, there's a chapter vision here. We want to look at the last verse of chapter 4. Verse 36. Now, Joseph, what's his name? What's his nickname? (laughs) Yeah? That's right, I didn't see that coming. That's good. Okay, now, Joseph, a Levite Levite of Cyprian birth, who was also called Barnabas by the apostles, which translated means son of encouragement. What's his name? Yeah, Joseph, what's his nickname? Barnabas, what's it mean? What's it stand for? Why do they call him Barnabas? Because he's an encourager. How many of you hate to be around an encourager? You kind of like it, don't you? You like being around an encourager? There's a couple, there's some people in our church. That's their gift. And, uh, okay, short. Now, Joseph, the encourager, he owned a tract of land. He sold it, and he brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. Is this a good thing? Don't you wish you could do that? That you had the freedom to just sell your shiny black car, <laughs> sell uh, your iPhone, sell something really important to you, and just give the whole proceeds to, a, a, to what God's inviting you to give it to? Wouldn't that be nice? Shake your head or no, if you think, no, I wouldn't want to do that. <laughs> now, chapter 5, verse 1. But in contrast to, what, to this, uh, what just been said, in contrast, a man named Ananias with his wife Sapphira, they two sold a piece of property. Okay, so so far everything's one for one, right? Verse 2, and kept back none of the money. They brought it all to the apostles. Put the stones and the tomatoes down. I'm joking with you, right? (laughs) Don't be throwing stuff at me yet. No, they didn't bring it all. They brought some of the money. (sighs) Which, is there a problem with selling something and bringing only part of the money? How many of you brought your entire check this morning, your paycheck to church? dropped it in the plate. No, there's nothing wrong with bringing a portion of what God has given us. They cut back some of the price for himself with his wife's full knowledge and bringing a portion of it, you know, he laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back some of the price of the land. So now we know they didn't bring all of it, they kept some of it back. Now while it remained unsold, did it not remain your own? And after it was sold, was it not under your control? Why is it that you have conceived this deed in your heart? Now, Let's think about the plane ride and all these people that, we're looking, that we see out the window. Who's in the best position to touch the hearts of these people, to turn their hearts toward God? Joseph the encourager or Ananias and Sapphira? Turn to somebody next to you and tell them what the answer is. Now Ananias and I and Sapphire—they're apparently they're part of the church and they're you know they're in the monks they're in the they're in the groove there. It's not like they're visitors or guests today. So until we got to the second or third verse, would they have been in a good position to turn hearts toward God? They would appear, it would look like they were but as it turns out, their heart you know, they wanted to, to look the part but they didn't have the heart you know, maybe maybe they looked at Joseph It doesn't tell us motive here and so we've got to be really cautious or, I, I try not to judge motive or of actions of people but I just want to play with this a little bit do you think that they looked at joseph who was an encourager and thought look everybody likes joseph Uh, he's such a fun guy to be around and what he did was he sold some land brought all the money in and so why don't we sell some land and kind of bring all the money in so then that will kind of get everybody to like us like everybody likes joseph so there's a lot of flaws with that logic, right? In that line of reasoning. There's a lot of breakdowns in there. So maybe they, and they, they intended to be deceptive. Uh, that's very clear from the text. So they wanted to look, but they didn't want the cost. They wanted to look the part, but they didn't have the heart for the part. And it's true that you and I, we can't always, we can't see the heart. And so we look like everybody's playing the part, but some are effective at it and some are not effective. They're ineffective. You take Joseph, the encourager, and those like him, they're going to make a big difference. They're in a very good position to turn hearts toward God. People like Ananias and Sapphira who are covering up, who look good but don't have their hearts in it, uh, they are not in the best position to turn hearts toward God. Can God use it? Well, He did. He put it in Scripture, and our hearts get turned towards God because of their example. So, yes, He can use it, but are they in the best position? Do we want to be in that position? They look good from a distance, but they didn't have it on the inside. What I want to address this morning are the three essentials that keep us from rotting from the inside out, like that Buick that's shiny black on the outside but was rotting on the inside. We don't want to be rotting on the inside. I want to address the three essentials that keep us from rotting on the inside and yet looking good on the outside, that will keep us from the scrapyard. What are the three irreducible essentials? Are they Bible reading? Prayer? Church attendance? Not cheating on your taxes, your time clock, or your wife? Is it counting, uh, is it the ABCs? Attendance, uh, buildings, and contributions? Is that how we measure? Uh, Are those the irreducible essentials? How about counting nickels, noses, and knowledge? How many many nickels did we get in the plate today? How many noses do we have in church today? How much did everybody know? This chart will help us to grasp the three irreducible essentials. I believe, as we read through Scripture, we find three. We find that they're irreducible, and we find that they are essentials. Looking at the top three lines of the chart, you'll notice in the fine print, the three irreducible essentials of a fully devoted follower of Christ. Now, granted, I would agree with you, it should just be sufficient to say, I'm a Christian, and that would say that I'm fully committed i 'm a fully devoted follower of Christ. It would say all that, but we we know people who call themselves Christians who technically are saved but are not fully devoted to following christ so now we expand that a little bit with this with this set of words: the three irreducible essentials of a fully devoted follower of Christ and What is this person doing? This person is on mission, and the mission is who is turning hearts toward God. Turning hearts toward God. Turning hearts toward God is turning hearts both, one, to Christ for salvation and toward Christ for Christ-likeness. So just in that one little phrase, turning hearts toward God, immediately I think in my mind, I'm I'm, I'm here for evangelism, I'm here for education, Edification, building up education. I'm, I'm, I'm looking in this conversation, no matter who I, I'm speaking to, I could pick anybody here, or anybody on the ride in here. Whoever I'm talking to, in my mind, is turning hearts toward God. What part of this conversation can I use to help move them a little bit, either to the cross for salvation, or toward Christ's likeness to become more like Him? Um, well, so... If you're a believer, I'm I'm, I'm concerned about moving you toward Christ-likeness. Our mission is turning hearts toward God. Those best positioned to turn hearts toward God are... Take a guess. Second line down. Let's see here. I think you've got a handout in your bulletin. Let me see if I've got one here. Um, in my stack. Yep, I do. Yes, I do. Okay. Yeah, pull that. If you have that, pull that out. There's some answers on there that you'll find useful. So fully devoted followers of Christ are in the best position to turn hearts toward God. Now, our question is, what are the three irreducible essentials of a fully devoted follower of Christ? So now, on your uh, handout, you'll notice it's the uh, the first line above or below the graphics, and on the screen, is the yellow line with the red uh, highlighted letters. The first essential comes from the greatest commandment, which is love God. Yes, and there's a whole lot of qualifiers there, but if we boil it down, the two words, two important words for us, are love God. It's a, This essential focuses on our relationship with God. It's a friendship with Him, a companionship with Him. It's spending more time together, going more places, doing more things together, knowing Him better so that we can love Him better. You know, the more I uh, spend time with my wife Judy... Uh, and I get to know her more. The, the more things we do together, the more places we go together, uh, the more I sit down—I was going to say talk, but listen—the uh, better I get to know her. So when it comes Christmas time, um, I could ask her for our Christmas list. What would you like for Christmas? And she could mm, write these things out, and I could take that. And I could go down to the store and go tick tick, tick 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 tick. get it done, wrap it all up. Here you are, wonderful, happy. You know, wonderful husband I am. And that would be acceptable." That would be appreciated, but what if, ladies? What if us guys, or your husband, in particular? What if, uh, what if I spent time with Judy and did things with her and paid attention, so that over the course of time I made some observations and I thought, you know, I think what Judy would really like is, or I think she would really appreciate. And then, unbeknownst to her, I slip off and I go and I make something, I buy something, I do something that I think would be wonderful for her and I wrap it all up and I give it to her. What do you think her response is going to be? If I got it right. (laughs) You know, she would appreciate both gifts because that's what love does. But, what do you think you would really like to have more? The one that your husband and your best friend put thought into and, and gave to you or just ask for our little email or Christmas list? Yeah. So, when we're trying, when we're thinking about loving God and giving gifts to Him, you know, it would really be nice if He sent us an email or postcard and just itemized things all out, you know, organized fashion. But He's looking for more in our relationship than that. He's looking for us to do some, put some, Effort into the reading of his studying of his word. He's given us all the principles, all everything we need to know there. And he's put us into a context of some very wonderful people to commune and talk with and, and uh, have a relationship with. So that out of all that, we will be able to identify those things which we believe would be pleasing to him. And we can give gifts back to him. So that's uh, love God, loving people. Loving people, a second essential, which comes from where? If love God is the greatest commandment, we'll just take a guess where love people came from. The second is like unto it. Love your neighbor as yourself. So we'll just simplify that to love people. Because it's not just the person next door, right? Is that all we're responsible for? Okay, everybody in unison like this. Okay, good. So we're responsible to love people in general. Everybody in unison? Okay. This must really be boring. Some of you are having a tough time staying awake. <laughs> that was more reflection. See, my idea of uh, teaching is it's my responsibility to cause you to learn. So if you're falling asleep, that's, that's an F on my report card, not on you. So I just needed to say that because I thought maybe some of you were taking offense at that. Moving right along. Okay, love people. This is the relational element of Christianity, of a follower of Christ. So the first element is to love God. The second one is to love people. So this is this relational thing about uh, not doing this alone. Some of our personalities, we like to be by ourselves in a room full of books, and nobody bother us. We're really good with that. But that's not Christianity. Christianity is engaging with other people and developing relationships. Also, my upbringing, if I believed the right set of doctrines, I would be an okay guy. You know, I I didn't have to like people. I just had to believe the right stuff, the right doctrine. So what this is doing, what the second essential is doing for us, is it's not only just about what you believe, which is the first essential, loving God, but also loving people, developing friendships. third essential comes from the imperatives in the Bible and are summarized by the book of James. Can you guess what that might be? Be doers faith without, right. So James just clobbers us, it's a home run. And bases are loaded and he hits a home run, it's just a, a he drives us on, we have to be involved, we can't just be hearers on, we have to be actively involved. <clears throat> this is where, under this uh, third essential, this is where you'll find all the activities. You'll find uh, teaching ABF, teaching Sunday school, preaching. You'll find evangelism. you find reaching and teaching. You'll find uh, painting the neighbor's porch, who's incapable of doing that or has low finances. you find people getting together to write uh, a lawn for in the lawns in the neighborhood. You'll find... Um, people helping you find this person helping a, a person in a wheelchair, just going the extra mile to take, make sure that they have good care and taking care of them. It's also a place where you'll find nice, gentle kindnesses where people are nice to one another and they're kind. And, and uh, you'll, and you won't find unwholesome words here either. Uh, you won't find, uh, you won't find uh critical words. You won't find sarcastic comment comments. Uh, under this third area, this third essential, are all these uh, imperatives and commands that we are given uh, in order to obey God. Now, in the, the next line down here, highlighted on the screen in red, um, are some other references which support, uh, feed into these three essentials. And the scriptures are just loaded with these things. In my Bible, I've got... You know, you got those blank pages up front. I've got two pages up here uh, dedicated just to this first essential, and I've got one each for the uh, second two because I'm not real big on relational stuff and doing things, but I really like to study God's Word, so I, I, I see a lot of that in Scripture. So anyways, uh, these other references, there's one there, Second Peter 3.18, "...grow in the grace and knowledge of, of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ." So that's an intentional stuff. I'm trying to grow in the knowledge of Him, but it's not just knowledge only. And I think that's where us church people, we get tripped up, because we think that if I'm just in the Word and, and gaining all this knowledge, that I'm all right, I, I'm in good standing. No, that's not necessarily so. I can know a lot about Judy and not love her. The reason that I get to know her is to help me to love her. And since we don't know much about God, we need to know more about Him. And the more we know about Him, the more we love Him. So it's not just reading so I can say, well, I, I read my three chapters today and I spent my 30 minutes in prayer, so I'm, I'm, a, I'm a good Christian. Well, maybe you're a good Christian, but are you great in God's eyes? The second one there from Hebrews 10, encourage one another and gather together Um, which you've probably already heard is more than just a potluck fellowship dinner. That's one level of fellowship. But this other one, what Scripture is encouraging is is to get together in a small circle of friends and do life together. Yeah, screw up. (laughs) That's what's going to happen. And then you can cover up. Sometimes that will happen. But hopefully what always happens is we confess up, and we pray for one another, and we grow, and we find strength and encouragement from the body around us, the circle of friends around us. Third one, First Peter 4, uh, very clearly states that these gifts have been given to us to give to others, to serve others, and by that we are gracing others. Now on your handout, uh, the neat little thing there is there's a little... Um, It references Matthew and some references out of John. The really neat thing about that little study is our commission is to make disciples out of Matthew 28. So then what it does, okay, here's the key word disciple. Now, what does that mean? Because how many times have you used the word disciple this week? Or actually last week, because this week's not very long. So we're kind of not real terribly familiar with that. So what this does is it goes through the book of john and it finds three references within the book of john all of them saying a disciple is and it defines disciple so i'll leave that on your for you to do on your own or actually better with a, a group of friends it would be really awesome and then as you continue through your bible reading uh find other references that uh fall within these three categories of loving god love people and do something worthwhile for someone else for or for God. Now, how do we measure our progress? This is the question that trips us up. This is when it's really nice to be math teachers. Because then all you have to do is put on the test two plus two equals and the student has to write in a number. And it's really easy to know whether they pass or fail. If it's a four, they pass. If it's anything else, they fail. It's wrong. But how do we measure our progress in our walk with God? Is there anything so 2 plus 2-ish that we can track with? I mean, the best thing we've got so far is we count nickels and noses. And that's, you know, that's not bad. But can we have nickels and noses and still not have a heart for God? See, that's the problem. That's the issue that my heart wrestles with. And we've got to do something on this in order to help the church advance. Because how, well how well is the church thriving, making making mission, accomplishing mission today? How how are Christ followers moving into How is How is Christianity, how is God moving into your workplace? Are you seeing broad strides into there? Are you seeing any activity? Do you see any backwards activity? What are you doing to move the cross of Christ forward? Help turn hearts toward God, either to Christ for salvation or toward Christ for Christ's likeness. I I just sense that we could be doing better. And so... But we need need something to measure that progress, to know how bad we are or how good we're doing or what we need to be doing to be doing a little bit better. So how do we measure the progress? I would suggest to you that on the third line here highlighted, or on the line highlighted in red, that we can measure our progress by asking three questions. We can ask ourselves three questions. The first question, dealing with the love of God, I can ask myself, Paul, are you pursuing intimacy with God? Now, you probably don't know the answer to that. But I know whether I'm avoiding my Bible time in the morning. I know whether it's drudgery to get together with God it's like a big chore. That I have to, okay, well, I gotta pray for my sandwich because that's the thing you gotta do before you eat. I know whether this morning was an awesome time, His Word. I know whether I was really quite upset when I had to shut my Bible so I could get to work on time. See, I know the answers to those things. So the first question I want to ask is, am I pursuing intimacy with God? That will help gauge uh, gauge me where I'm at. Second question I would ask is, am I developing friendships? You already know that this is a hard one for me. You know, I come in under the wire, under I'm, i get low scores all the time here. But am I developing friendships? And that's twofold. Am I developing new friends, friends that I don't already have? Because the friends I do have, that's kinda nice. I like oh yeah, this is easy. <laughs> but People I don't know, that's very difficult. But it's required. And the other part is developing f- existing friendships. So I already have friends. <laughs> Believe it or not, I do. <laughs> and so am I d- working to develop those friends closer, our relationship closer to Christ-likeness in that relationship? You understand what I'm saying here? So, we got friendships, but these relationships, we want to move them more and more towards Christ, not just keep them here on on the the plateaued, uh, you know, just normal junk that we get stuck in the mud on. And then, the third question I want to ask myself is Am I seeking to serve sacrificially? The problem with that question is. At first, I don't want to serve at all. Then once I get convicted to serve in a position where I'm willing to serve, then I'll serve if it's convenient. I'm already driving by. I'm already going to be there. It's not going to cost me. It's just an extra $5. I've been floating around my wallet for a long time. (laughs) You're right. Um, So, yeah, it doesn't cost but If it's going to inconvenience me or if it's going to be a sacrifice, eh, that threatens my comfort zone. But the third question is Am I seeking to serve sacrificially? What's in there? What's the first word? Seeking. So now am I just waiting for the pastor to call and say, Hey, would you help out with or for the neighbor to call out hey could you help me with the leaves i am actively pursuing a situation where i could serve and that it would cost me a significant amount in time or finances or materials or you know whatever now these are three irreducible essentials because i don't believe that you can call yourself a fully devoted follower of Christ if you're not pursuing intimacy with God. Or if you're not developing friendships, both existing as well as new, or if you are not seeking to pursue or seeking to serve sacrificially. You see where this is at? Coasting Christians goes out of business. Close up shop, shut it down. Uh, coaching Christians, Ananias and Sapphira, yeah, God can use them. He can also use rocks and donkeys. <laughs> but who's in the best position, the optimum position, who's optimally positioned to turn hearts toward God? Those who are pursuing intimacy with God, those who are developing friendships, and those who are seeking to serve. Yes? And everybody said, Yes! Uh, Not the bow, but the yes. (laughs) Serving sacrificially, I want to tell you another short story. Obviously, when I say short story, you know that I mean long. (laughs) On this trip that Judy and I went on, uh, we were going to get back to the airport uh, at this time of year, which is cold. Sub-zero, sub-freezing, oh, at least a particular weekend it was. I'm sorry, it's, it's warm now. And so I thought, well, it's a long trip. We really should have some chocolate on board as a uh, rescue measure, you know, safety, first aid sort of thing that if you get stopped by the, you know get hung up on the side of the road, you have something to eat to keep your energy levels up. And so chocolate is a wonderful thing for that. And so out of love for my wife, I went to the store and I bought this Grip big Hershey's chocolate almond candy bar. And then I had some other things to do around town, and a piece of it came up missing. <laughs> we didn't need the whole thing for the trip. I mean, it wasn't that long. And then uh, another piece came up missing, but it did make half of it did, did make it home. And it did make it into the car, our vehicle, and it made the trip. It went there on the way home, forgot all about it. And I got home from work the next day, and Judy comes to me and says, "I did something for you. I did a favor for you." So, what's that? She says, "I ate the rest of that candy bar." <laughs> so, you know, we've been trying to eat smaller portions and cut down on desserts and stuff, and so that was a sacrifice that she did for me because now she's <laughs> she's gonna have to deal with that extra, you know, calorie thing. Is that 11 o'clock or 5 to 12? You getting nervous? <laughs> 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 Probably should be. Okay, how do we remember the three irreducible essentials? How, okay, we, we spent, I don't want Ed to do the math, but we spent a lot of time this morning, a lot of words, How do we remember all of that? How do we remember all the three reducible assumptions and everything that goes with it? Well, we remember it with three words or one letter. Anybody want to take a guess at what the words are? Oh, very good. Anybody want to guess what the letter is? How many? Oh, very good. So you are very, okay, well, we can skip that test. All right, we got five minutes. All right, are you up to some fun? Sure. Sure. And I noticed the, uh, that we stood for some music, so it, it is okay to stand in church. Is that right? Yeah, you need to stop me now, because if you don't, <laughs> it's now or never. No, you can stop me later. That's true. <clears throat> Let's do this. Okay. We have a mission, we have one mission as a church, we have one, and a follower of Christ, we have one mission and three G's. The mission is turning hearts toward God. How many missions? How many missions? One mission. How many G's? What's the mission? Okay, very good. Now, how many missions? How many G's? What's the mission? Ah, oh, this is wonderful. Now, if a little boy wants to show you how tall his father is, what does he do? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you do that with me and say, Growth? Okay. So the first G is what? Growth. And what's the hand sign for that? Okay. Now, who's your Heavenly Father? God. Uh, like Father, like Son. Uh, be holy, for I am holy. How holy is God? Okay. So, how holy should we strive to be? What G is that? Growth. First, second, or third G? It's the first G. How many missions? How many G's? What's the mission? Oh, you're you're awesome. Okay, let's do the second G. Uh, when people like one another, they often will give one another a, a hug. Okay, so let, put your arms like parentheses, lean forward, and say the word groups. 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 Okay, the second G is what? Groups. groups. And the hand sign is groups. How often do you hug somebody like this? <laughs> I, okay, probably shouldn't have asked that one. <laughs> <clears throat> Okay, what's the first G? Girl. Second G? How many missions? How many Gs? What's the mission? First G is? Second G is? Okay, third G is? What's the hand sign? Uh. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, the hand sign is a V. Uh, Groups is a parentheses, but gifts is a V. Uh, A V is, and you're leaning back. And why are you leaning back? Because the load is heavy. Because we're serving sacrificially. So sometimes it's a heavy load. So we lean back, arms are out in a V, palms up. So can you do that with me? And say gifts. 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 Lean back, gifts. Okay, this is hard. Lean back, gifts. Okay, first G is growth. growth. Second, groups. groups. Third, how many missions? How many Gs? Three. What's the mission? First G. Second G third g yes. first g stands for groups which stands for growing in godliness and in the bible and in our beliefs the second g is growing in friendships and the third g is going and doing so let's see what else we got here um we could stop now early we get bonus points What are the three irreducible essentials of a fully devoted follower of Christ? Okay, maybe we need to work on that a little bit, okay? Uh, We're going into overtime, so you're all going to get like time and a half for this. uh, Whatever you normally get, it'll just be increased. Oh, it's a Sunday, so it'll be double time on it. That's true. Okay, Uh, loving God. Let's do this. Hands like a Bible, goes up like a prayer. Hand over heart and up to God. Your eyes follow that too, okay? So, say it with me. Love God. Now, love people is your hand over your heart and go out like this. Love people, say that. Love people. Now, do something. When. (laughs) A lot of people are nervous about this one. It's a good thing we didn't stand to do this one. But you you can do this some other time. You can, okay? Uh, But. When you make a big accomplishment, what do you do? Yeah. No, you go like this. Yeah. I know you're sitting down, but try that with me, okay? Yeah. Okay. Third G is do something, so say do something, do something. Yeah. Okay. First, love God is love God. Okay. Again, I can't hear you. Love God. Love people. Do something. Yeah! Okay. Father, thank you so much.